Welcome to Retaining the Passion, Journeys Through Nursing. This is a non-affiliated podcast. Any views expressed by the hosts or guests do not necessarily represent those of the organizations they work for or are studying at, or any trade unions or professional bodies they are members of. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Hello, Craig. It's Hello. been ages since we've done this. We're so nice back. On a, I know we're back on a Sunday morning with a hot drink. You've come off nights. Oh, I've just for a change. <laughs> I know. And we've talked like over WhatsApp and loads, but I have missed doing this. It's been, oh, me too. And can like you forever. believe it? Series two. Series Episode two. one. I know. And can you believe that we've both been registered nurses for nearly a year? And with that is quite petrifying. Yeah. In three days time is the anniversary of my year's registration. I started work in April, but that's when I got my pin. Oh, is it? Well, I got mine, it, well, it was September, mine anniversary was yeah. a year, but obviously I stayed on and then didn't start working till the May. So I'm coming up to my work anniversary in May, but yeah, I've been registered for over a year, which is... I know. It's, it's mental to, to think about it's, it. It feels like yesterday, but also a million miles away because I remember I was in a car park when the email came through that my NMC pin had come through and it, it was the 10th of March and so people were talking about COVID but I'd just been to the gym I got my pin the same day I got my job offer which was quite exciting so I'd had my interview and that had been face to face and so the world a year ago was a really different place than it is well, now. Well so, my interview was over the telephone because of COVID. So I interviewed I for my first job over the telephone. So I know. That was it's strange. strange, isn't it? So, so yeah, our, so a year and series two and we're back. Should we tell them what the episode's about? We shall. So we talk a lot about our people and that's something that we discuss a lot. So the first episode we have, it is called Nursing Families Living with a Nurse. And we have three very special guests on with us. Two are very personal to us. And then yeah. one is the son of a very good friend of ours. Yeah. Um, but I think we have two topics that we want to talk about very quickly before we get into we those do. interviews. One we is do. the the big elephant in the room, which is the proposed... It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little elephant, Greg. <laughs> it's such a little elephant that you can put it in your pocket. <laughs> which is the proposed 1% pay increase for all those in Agenda for Change on <clears> the NHS. Now, how do we feel about that, Claire? Well, so we don't want to make this the whole topic of the podcast, which we could quite easily do, but we don't want to ignore it either, right? So no, we, said we can't. discuss it. So it happened this week. We, as most people know, are both quite active in our nursing roles. You know, we're activists. We like to make sure that nurses have a chance to hear their voices heard. And where we use the term nurse, that's because we're both nurses. This does, as you rightly say, cover everybody from agenda for change. And I've tweeted quite clearly that this is domestics and speech and language therapists and paramedics and, you know, everybody that works in the NHS. It covers everyone from band one all the way up to band nine. Yeah, although I don't think band one exists anymore, as in it exists, but nobody's appointed to it because it doesn't meet the because I think the reason is I might be wrong is because it doesn't meet the living wage standards. <laughs> oh God! Um, 
ha. So how do I feel about it? I live with somebody who works for himself. He's self-employed. So I understand that COVID has been incredibly challenging for people. My brother-in-law didn't have a job for part of COVID. So I've seen the personal effect that it's had on people in the private sector. And this is not to belittle any of that. You know, we don't have to pick one person's struggles over another person's struggles. This isn't a A or B choice. It's been yeah. tough for everybody. But there are two things for me. One is that it's like, and, and again, I've commented on this on Twitter, it's like looking it's like being in a restaurant and saying, I've looked at your service and it's not that I've not got enough money. It's that I've looked at you and your value is I'm going to leave a penny because that's what I think you're worth. And that's yeah. how this feels. That feels like we've evaluated you and this is how we feel. It's not uh, actually we think you're worth, you know, eight, nine, 10 percent, 15 percent would be good. But we can't give you that now. So we're going to put it on hold for 18 months there was nothing like that there was no acknowledgement of it and I think the important thing to remember and the message that maybe the public won't hear at the moment because this is all wrapped up in COVID is for me this isn't just about COVID this is about the chronic underfunding of the NHS and staff on the agenda for change and if we take nurses for example we went into COVID with 40,000 vacancies because we don't have enough people And if you look, there's loads of statistics flying around on the internet and and in publications. We actually, in real terms, earn less today than we did 10 years ago. Oh, absolutely. So for me, it's more about that. Yeah. So no, no, I'm not happy with 1% in answer to your question. Definitely. And I'm not. And I've tried to look at this from a really balanced viewpoint, because obviously I understand that so many people have lost their jobs, that so many industries have gone under. I'm not brain dead I understand that the economy is in a real struggle I used to be an actor I have friends whose industry has collapsed and I've had no work at all for the last 12 months we are lucky in the sense that yes work has been extremely grueling while we've been working through COVID-19 we've been presented with challenges that we would never have anticipated people have tragically lost their lives working within the health and social care sector but yes we have had consistent work we have had pay we have been in jobs so I very much get that and I'm appreciative for that But it's like you say, it is about that chronic underfunding. And what we're asking for is not a COVID payment. We're not asking for a bonus for what we've been through. We're asking for what we are deserving of. It's a graduate entry profession. We deserve to be remunerated for that. And I think as much as COVID isn't part of it, we also need to acknowledge that although we've all worked, you know, that's brought with it challenges on a huge range of things. But just for me personally, as a mum, I've got four children who've done homeschooling and their schools have been amazing. But I've been working at the same time and Stuart's had to try and get what work he can in because he runs his own business. That's been really challenging as well. And there are times where I've spoken to some of my friends and they're like, oh, we made cakes today and then we did the gardening. And I'm thinking, well, I'm working and my kid and and then feeling that guilt that my kids haven't had the same experience as other people's children. So our COVID experience, I think we all have to acknowledge that everybody in society has been impacted. It's been really tough. But like you say, the pay is underfunded. And I think my message to people, we're hearing a lot of misinformation 
we're hearing a lot of politicians give their personal, in my opinion, slightly, well, not slightly, very biased opinion. You have one particular politician who's grating on you this week, don't you? And this links into the other topic that we're about to talk about, which is International Women's Day, which is tomorrow, Monday the 8th of March. But Nadine Dorries and the fact that this woman is an ex-nurse blows my mind. But when she I don't think she is an ex-nurse though, Craig. I don't think she ever registered, is my understanding. Really? Because she says she was Yeah. I think she did her nurse training. But apparently there's no that I, I don't know the facts, but I've, I've, I have seen in several places that she never completed. She right. Never we registered. need to do some investigative journalism. We do need but, to do um, some. It's the fact she uses the word vocation. Yes, nursing may be a vocation to some people, but mm-hmm. it is an educated profession. It is a skilled, educated profession, which requires a degree. And, and so what that it's a vocation? Footballers like to play footballers. MPs go into it because they want to allegedly serve their country. We don't go, well, OK, you can do it for minimum wage. But also vocation ties it all back to the religious order where nurses and midwives used to come from from nuns. And it also yeah. ties it into, again, looking at International Women's Day, the majority of our profession in nursing are women. And how do society yeah. value women's work? And I think that is a massive problem we have for sure. nursing. And that's why it is so undervalued is because of how society perceives the value of women's work. And to me, that is just mm-hmm. disgusting. And I, it's an existential like conversation I have with myself because I would consider myself a feminist, but technically I can't be because I'm a man. So I've never had to... Of course you bat- can. No, but she could be no, a feminist. I, I would consider myself more a feminist ally because I've never had to yeah, battle the patriarchy. I'm a man, mm-hmm. so I realise with that comes immense privilege. I also happen to be a cisgender white man, so I have a lot mm-hmm. of privilege on my side. But I have been inspired by so many amazing women, one of whom we're about to hear from in our interviews. And we need to value women so much more in this country we and really in the do. world. Yeah. Just before I, I mentioned what I want to say about when my message to people is also join a union. Oh, it absolutely. Have, you know, at the moment, join a union. So get your voice heard because it's really important we all unite together. So, yes, but back to empowering women. I mean, it, it's no secret that it's something that I'm very passionate about through the work that I do through the volunteering with Girl Guiding that I do. And I've spent a lot of my student nurse days and my the past year reflecting on myself, I think, because I'm quite open about encouraging other women and really trying to empower them. And International Women's Day is such an exciting chance to hear other women's stories which is really important girl guiding have been doing a really good run up to international women's day with lots of kind of stories from people around the world and how important international women's day is in some countries i'll just i'll tell you one example in russia international women's day used to be the only day that men served women so about 20 years ago when it first started it was the only day that women didn't cook didn't didn't do anything and the men did it and that was the only day out of 365 they've progressed and moved forwards but it was like Thank a massive the Lord. 
cultural thing and um, because their role was to that subservient kind of role and that was an account from a guide leader that she'd put on about how the world has changed in that period of time but it's nice to see that International Women's Day has had that impact because I think it's important that we celebrate progress but then also look at how much further we've had to come and I recently did a podcast with our friend Jess for 150 leaders and we talked about ambition and I think for me that's my biggest (laughs) I think for me that's my biggest challenge is not not belittling myself when I was in school and I think a lot of women will feel the same as this boys were confident and a natural leader and you know loads of positive adjectives I was bossy too talkative needed to learn to be a bit quieter and bossy was something that I was told I was for a really really long time and I really struggled with being a bossy labeled bossy but also really caring what people the impact I had on people and and how people felt about me and so I found that really mentally quite destructive because it felt like it wasn't where I was coming from I wasn't trying to boss people around and tell them what to do I could just see a way of doing it and these were people's coming together this is how we could make it happen and actually I think I wasn't that bossy I think I was a lead you know I was good at organizing a leader and as a child it comes across in different ways but I was no different than the boys in fact I remember a boy in school moving people around in a line to get them where he wanted to for some game we were playing like physically manhandling them and being celebrated by the teacher because they'd taken decisive action and they'd organized it you know a girl would have been really told off for that and been seen as bossy and domineering I think we have moved forwards a little bit in the UK I think we've moved towards a little bit. We're, we're more aware of that language. I think we still use it, but I think there's becoming more of an awareness that that is an issue. And we could do, a, I could do a whole subject on children's clothes and the adjectives we have on girls and boys, children's clothes, you know, oh. boys are whatever, but I won't start that rant because we'll never finish. Um, <laughs> but International Women's Day is really important to me. It's a really important day to celebrate the achievement of women, but it's also really sad. It's really sad that we still have so far to go to get equality. I think the latest figure is it's going to take 50 years to get pay equality if we keep on an upwards trajectory in the UK. Which is just horrendous. Yeah, it is. And and we're progressive compared to some countries, yeah. you know. And you're so, so true, like the language that's used, like a woman would be bossy, domineering, a bitch I hate that word but they Mm -hmm. they would be described as that whereas a man would be assertive a leader and that just we need to break that down like as a man like the patriarchy needs to crumble and we need to label the playing field and I think it's International Women's Day we celebrate women and every man should be an ally to women and every man should be empowering women and lifting them up. I'm aware that as a student that I was afforded lots of leadership positions and perhaps I wasn't the right face at the table because I was a man in those positions. I'm not saying I didn't work hard to get them, but it would be great to have women in those positions, particularly in such a female-dominated profession. And I think that's something we need to be really cognizant of, particularly within nursing. I'm not saying we have men in nursing, and I definitely think there is a place for men in nursing. There is a place for anyone who has the right value set to be a nurse. 
but yeah. I'm very much against anything that is positive discrimination to get men into nursing because that isn't how I feel we should plug any retention gaps. We and we'll I'm kind of okay with getting them in. That's fine. Let's because some of that is about what we were talking about before with the, the funding. It's kind of like actually this is a degree educated, evidence based profession with lots of opportunity, but that seems to be how we sell it to men and not to women. You know, to women, it's actually, oh, you could work nights when you have children because it's really good for childcare and or flexible working for for this, that and the other. And we sell the profession in two different ways. Actually, we should be selling it the same way to men and women of all backgrounds, shapes, sizes and, and everything. But the issue for me is that men progress much further, much quicker in nursing. So those senior roles are held by people that look more like you than me and certainly that look more like Us you and I like than, than, than minority our, yeah colleagues you know and we have got some great examples of female leaders from diverse backgrounds but not enough and not enough on a, a local level not enough at the chief executive level or lead nurse level and people have to see themselves reflected in others so they have to see somebody and think well I can do that they've done it and we need those people to we need to elevate them so that people coming up through the profession can see themselves reflected anywhere they look throughout the profession and they they can see themselves and also just from the world as a whole women make up 51 percent of the population of the world so why on earth are they 31 no 51 I thought you said 31 then. I was like, I thought we were 51%. (laughs) No, no, that's clearly my crazy Scottish accent. No, you're 51, we're 49. Yeah, I thought so. If anyone deserves to be in charge and ruling the world, I think the world would be ruled in a much better place if it were run by women. Well, yeah. I just did a workshop for the young leaders in my county for girl guiding and I was reading like loads of statistics about it and the single biggest outcome for COVID success in a country is whether their leadership is male or female not affluence of a country not kind of how they implemented things but the single or the countries that have done the best have the best outcomes from COVID it is because they are led by women. Are we talking about Queen Jacinda Ardern by any chance? Well, we're not just talking about <laughs> Jacinda. You know, you look at Taiwan, that's led by a woman and yeah. they've done really well and nobody would have put them on the, uh, is going to be fantastic at managing COVID, yet they've done it brilliantly. I think there's 14 countries around the world that are like held as examples and they're all led by women. And some of that, it needs to be explored and investigated as to why that is and what that is. And, and there's some feeling that better balance and a a wider view is brought by women I don't know but I think women for me pick a role model pick someone you you aspire to be like pick 10 people you aspire to be like strong women in whatever way shape or form you know I have a lady called Gertrude from the 1920s who was the first woman to swim the channel she did it in motorbike um, goggles because she couldn't afford swimming goggles Lisa Simpson's a great female role model for those yes. you know people out there she does not take any rubbish from the men in her family doesn't matter who you pick Marie Curie she moved from Poland to France to go to university because she wasn't allowed to in Poland these women have been in front of us and we need to continue that I don't know if it's because I'm a gay man but like all my role models and people I idolize are strong empowered women so I think men too 
pick empowering women to be inspired by. Mm, we all definitely. came from a woman. This is true. And so that's enough of our ranting because because the, <laughs> the two topics, pay and, and women's kind of empowerment, things that I could talk about for a really long time, and I'm sure we'll come back to them. But as you said at the beginning, we talk about our people and this is a bit of let my people talk to your people kind of episode isn't it, it is it is funny um, so we have first we have Ethan Jackson who is the son of our good friend Kate Powell and then I talk to your husband Stuart uh-huh. Manley and then you speak to my mommy Carol Davidson so it's about living with a nurse that's what we're talking about and obviously you live okay. with a nurse so would you like to introduce yourself I am Ethan Jackson and I am the son of a nurse, Kay Powell. And where does your mum work, Ethan? Which ward? In a critical ward, critical care, and she works with very sick people who have to have a machine to breathe or to have their kidneys work. Okay, and how do you feel about your mum being a nurse? I haven't really thought about it since COVID, but when COVID happened, I wasn't really that worried because I imagine she was very good. Yeah. Do you remember, it's not long since your mum was a student nurse, was it? No. What was it like? What was it like when she was a student? How did that affect you? It didn't really affect me anyway. Do you have friends at school whose mums are nurses? Or doctors? Um, One of my people in my class, her father and mother is a doctor and nurse. Okay. So do you ever talk to them about what your parents do or do you just know that that's what they do? I just know. I just know. And when mum's at work on the ward with sick people, do you ever worry about her? Not really, but I do hope that she doesn't like, get sick or anything because one night she came home with her hands that was very bad. I was like, what have you done? But it was fine. And what had happened to them? She was she had an allergic reaction to something on the ward. Oh, no. And is she better now? Yeah. She puts cream on them so they get better. And your mum does shifts, doesn't she? Yeah. And how do you find living with somebody who does shifts? On night shift, it's a bit awkward because we need to figure out how I'm going to stay, if I'm going to stay with Nan or Dad or something. So it's a bit hectic when that. But when she's on days, I normally either go with to my Nan or with my dad. Okay. And what's it like? Is she grumpy in the when she's on nights? Does it make her grumpy? No, it doesn't really. Oh, you're lucky. My children would say I was grumpy, I think. What's the best thing about having... A mum that's a nurse. The best thing is, I know she's um, saving lives and I think that makes her feel a bit better. And how does that make you feel? Good, because I know how she feels. So if she feels good, I feel good. Oh, that's good. And what's the worst thing about having a mum as a nurse? So when COVID happened, the worst thing is she's hardly ever at home because she's mostly in work. Yeah. She worked more since COVID's been on then. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I gave you a list of questions, but there was one sneaky question that I didn't write in case your mum saw it. And that was your mum was runner up student nurse of the year for Wales, wasn't she? Well, she was a student. Do you remember that? Yeah. Why do you think your mum got such an important award? What made her special that gave her that award? Because she's such a good nurse. Yeah. So have you got any messages that you'd like to give your mum? You're a really good mum. Keep doing what you're doing and I love you. 
Oh, that's amazing. And Ethan, because you're such a brilliant interview guest, have you got any messages for any other nurses out there, all the nurses that might listen to this? Keep doing what you're doing and you're doing great. You're saving lives. Thank you, Ethan. You've been my favourite guest so far. You said such lovely things. So thank you very much. You're our first, my first interview season two. So thank you for talking to me this afternoon. Okay, thank you. Well, I am absolutely delighted to record my first interview of series two because as Claire's podcast husband, I am very, very happy to be joined by her real life husband. So firstly, I'd just like to say thank you very much for lending her to me and letting me monopolise all her time. So if you would like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you, Craig. And can I just say it's an honour to speak with the the podcast husband. Oh, I am, like Craig said, I'm Claire's actual husband. Stuart, so we know that Claire came into nursing as a mature student. So how did you feel when she gave up a well-paid job to go and retrain to be a nurse? And what sort of impact did that have upon you and your family? I think I was I was I was pretty fine. I think at the time of when we decided Claire was going to go back, uh, I mean it was quite daunting financially. Mm. Uh, Claire was going back as a mature student. We had four uh, children. We had four children in full time education. She was giving up a successful role, so it was always going to be a hit financially. But it was a dream Claire always wanted to do, and I say go for it. And we were prepared to take the hit and just see how how it went and I'm so so glad she did because it's been it's been massive it's been great for Claire she's done amazing she's got really into it she's made a massive contribution I feel oh absolutely yeah within the nursing community she's been involved lots of things and I think she's been a little bit of an inspiration and I'm not just saying that as uh, as Claire's husband I think from what other people have said so um, I think it was the the best thing ever It, it did have an impact Mm. In the worst times, we did go out without things. We missed some some of the treats, but we knew that there was a little bit of stress. We had to juggle things around. There was some stress around deadlines, um, <laughs> but I kind of, um, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that. We're quite fortunate in a way because I work from home. I work for myself. I can juggle things around. So that's what we did. And um, no, it was, it was it was hard, but it was well worth it. Yeah, and because you and Claire met when you worked together, so I suppose you knew that Claire had previously studied nursing and that had always been a dream. So to see her return to that must have been really nice. Absolutely. And honestly, and I went back as a mature student myself and Claire supported me through that. So the least I could have done was do exactly the same. So yeah, and, and it all seems to be going really well at the moment. She's doing well. She's really happy. Well, yeah, she's certainly a very big inspiration to a lot of people, myself included. You must have been very proud at the awards and accolades that she got as a student. Obviously, she was RCN Student Ambassador of the Year and then most recently was the Student Nursing Times Student of the Year for Mental Health. Were you proud of that? Obviously, you must have been. Unbelievably proud, I think, but because of Claire's passion... And what she puts into things and the things that she's been involved in, like the podcast, like the articles that she's been mentioned in, like the awards, like the student nurse projects, the RCN. And people have recognised that. And it came as a massive surprise, but a big surprise and a big, big 
lots of pride. I can't can't say. It. And I've got the although Claire doesn't want it, we've got one of the awards on the mantelpiece. She wants it in a cupboard. I'm not having that. No, mine is on the mantelpiece too. So I think that's fine. Oh. <laughs> Stuart, are there any elements of Claire working as a nurse or the nursing role that makes you worry as a husband? Yeah, there is parts. I think because of Claire's particular job, she does work with people in crisis, as do a lot of medical professionals. And I think there is a little bit of abuse that she does receive. And I think it's just the way that people sometimes vent to frustration, maybe at a system or maybe the something's not quite right. But Claire does, does see a lot of that. And it does make me worry that it might, Claire does take it personally and it might affect how she feels mm-hmm. and her mental health, but also how it might affect her in her, in her own job. So I do worry. It's a, it's a very small minority because a lot of the time it's it's all okay, but it's, it's quite, it is something out at the back of my mind. Yeah, and then I know she had placements as a student nurse in forensic and high security environments. Is that something... As a husband, you would worry about working in those kind of environments. You do, you do kind of worry. There's always things I think that could go, you know, could go in a bad way, possibly, or you could get put yourself in situations where you're quite vulnerable, possibly. Yeah. But I, I kind of got the confidence that Claire knows, and you can't 100 percent always say that, but she she knows how to kind of deal with the situation. So there is always that, but I think it's very, it's very little, uh, and the positives outweigh the negatives or the worry I think but it's, it's just a bit unfortunate I, f- I think a lot of people a lot of nurses they do or they can do feel the brunt of some people or see the worst in some people and you know in short aspects but I don't want it to affect how they feel or change them or how they feel about the job and I know yeah. they do leave sometimes because of of things like that so Yeah, Yeah. but I I think you've absolutely hit something on the nail there. A lot of patients, service users, family members, it's frustration at the system that they can take out at nurses, which can be hard to take. Because at the end of the day, we are are people and we are humans and when there's those emotions involved. So, yeah, I think you you make a very, a very synced point. Do you think any elements of the nursing role and working as a nurse have been made better or worse by COVID? I don't know if there's a worse or a better. I think there's pros and cons. I think I think what it has done on a, on a really, really positive, it's actually highlighted how fantastic the NHS do as a job and how valued and how important nurses are. And it's put them at the forefront and I hope they get the recognition that they want. I think the negatives is the COVID and the restrictions and the worry around that as well. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we are kind of seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel now. Um, but I think nurses in general, they're, they're very responsible. They kind of, they know what they, they should be doing. And so there is a little bit of worry, but I do I think the positives again are kind of, I think it's just highlighted how amazing nurses are. And then obviously, Claire and I's roles are very different so Claire's a mental health nurse I'm an adult nurse so I've been working in the wards but a lot of Claire's job now she's been doing from home as her husband her working in COVID that way 
Have you seen that it's maybe harder for her to switch off from where work ends and home life begins? Is that something that you've noticed from people that have had to work at home? Absolutely. I think anybody starting a job uh, within COVID and the restrictions and how it works, and especially nurses, and, and Claire, because she's newly qualified, it's really difficult trying to do a job because it's unknown and unusual circumstances. So your job's a little bit redefined in a way. Yeah. It's harder for, for Claire because she's meant to be out in the community, but she's having to, to work from home. It's even harder to switch off because her workspace at the moment is in an office that we've got at home. So it is that. And I know she really struggles with that. And also, I think it's really difficult with um, everybody being at home and with the kids and the homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, that makes it really difficult. And and Claire today, she's been in the office and she did say it was just, it was just so much better. Things done, you're more efficient. You can go to somewhere at the admin section, get what you need to do. So it is, it's really difficult working from home and especially in the job that Claire does, which is in the community and the people that she's meant to be working with, especially because she's not been able to go and see them, which is really important for her role. Yeah. And so, dum-dum-dum, because Claire will listen back to this and we'll chat about this. So what are the best and worst things about being married to a nurse, would you say? Best thing, without a doubt, is when I watch Casualty, which is very rare, <laughs> and I don't know what's going on, um, I can ask Claire and she can give me the answer and it makes sense. And also the fact we get free masks. But I'm only joking. <laughs> no, the, the best thing about being married to a nurse is it's just the pride. It's the pride and the admiration that you get and the insight that you get into what they do. Um, you know, you kind of see it in a different way. And I think it's kind of been highlighted a little bit more because recently we've had quite a lot of dealings with the NHS in different departments more to do with around my dad because he's had a stroke. Yeah. I think having Claire there and her understanding of the systems, the medical procedures, the treatments, and all, all her knowledge, knowing who to ask, what to ask, when to ask, as a family, has just made a massive difference. Yeah. And are there any negatives to being married to a nurse? Yeah, there is. There's two. There's a the couple of negatives. One of them is having my blood pressure taken. While Claire was training this, that was something that kind of happened on a regular basis. And I'm sure, and I'm not a medical professional, but <laughs> I, I think she did the thing that you wrap around your arm a little bit tighter than it needed to be. Just so you're not meant to feel the pain when you're having your blood pressure taken. <laughs> So no, and those... a nice tight sphygmomanometer is never a bad thing. <laughs> okay, then. Well, I'll, I'll, I won't hold against it. <laughs> the other thing, and I'm not quite sure whether or not she's she's joking, but she has told me on occasions that she knows how to kill me without it being uh, detected. I don't know whether or not she's saying that as a joke or she's actually learned that in her training. Either way, it, it gets me attention. <laughs> so they're probably the two worst things that I can think of. Of Claire, well, I can uh, assure you that that isn't part of the core curriculum of nursing uh, education. There's a big, you might not be able to see it, but there's a big sigh of relief and that's a weight being lifted from my shoulders. So I know now, next time Claire says that, I can ignore it. <laughs> and do you have a message to Claire? If you could give a message, what would it be, Stuart? A message to Claire? Just for everything that she's been through as her student nurse, now working as her nurse, her promotion to her band six, what what would 
what would you like to see? So a message as Claire, the nurse. I think we're just all so proud and so inspired, um, although I don't always show that, for everything that you've done, you've achieved. I mean, it's just incredible, I think. Part of me is maybe a little bit sad she didn't do this uh, a while ago, but part of me is not because I wouldn't know Claire and what she is. So I'm kind of grateful for that she she did. But she's definitely done the right things to go back into nursing. And she's just going to continue to grow and she's going to be... And I, I know from feedback she's had from other people and the way she speaks to people and other nursing colleagues, there's a real respect there that mm. she's got from everybody her peers and everybody she works with. And I know it's hard and you have bad days, but just keep doing what you're doing. You, you, can't, you just... There's nothing else I can really say about that, I don't think. Absolutely. She's going to take over the world and she can achieve anything that she sets her mind to. I have absolute faith in that. Well, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you, Stuart. And I can't wait to finally meet you at my wedding, which has sadly been delayed for a year. But we will have a great old time there. It'll be worth it. And no, well, thank you again, Craig, for letting me have this moment. And, you know, to kind of, it's, in a way, it's been quite a, a thing to think about and reflect on the questions because sometimes you forget on a day-to-day basis about the kind of important things and, and things that have happened and what's been done. It's it's just gone so quickly from when Claire started a degree to all the things she's done to coming up to her first year. It's uh, No, it's been a bit of a journey and it's just going to continue to kind of go up and up. Well, thank you again, Craig. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we will speak very soon. I'll see you hovering around in the background while we're recording, I have no doubt. I am delighted this morning to be doing a solo interview without Craig because I'm interviewing Craig's mum. Welcome, Carol. Thank you very much. I'm Craig's mum, Carol. I'm very pleased to be here. And Carol's also a nurse, aren't you? Yes, I'm a nurse. I started away back in the 70s. I started off with adult nursing, but my passion was children's. But in those days, they advised you to start off with adult nursing and then specialise. So I went quite quickly, six months later, into children's nursing and was there a few years and then progressed to do midwifery, which I really enjoyed. But um, problems round about not being able to get part-time shifts and things, I went back to children's nursing. And, you know, over the last 20 years, it's been neonatal nursing, so... Quite a journey. And you, you still work in neonatal nursing now, don't you? I still work in neonatal nursing now. Although I retired six years ago through kind of ill health with fibromyalgia, not being able to continue full time financially and the love of the job, I, I stayed in nursing and still do maybe two nights a week. And how did you feel then when Craig said that he was going to follow you into nursing? I, I was very happy that he was going to follow into nursing. As you probably know, Craig as a boy was going to do medicine and then went into the world of acting. And when he came back to Scotland and we became very close, we chatted and we went round about the difference nursing is now, the diverse variations yeah. of jobs that's out there. And that's when he thought, no, this is for me. And, and I was proud you were going to have somebody to share something with. Yeah, definitely. Craig's talked on the podcast, actually, about being a doctor. Like That was his original plan yes. and that he came back and then and moved into nursing. Yes. Do you think because you've got more of an insight into nursing than, than maybe like my husband, who Craig's spoken to, do you think that makes you worry more about Craig in his role in nursing? Of course it does, but also maybe I find it difficult because I've always loved my job. And I know there's people out there that hate the job and leave 
leave. So I do worry for him because it's not an easy job. Shift work, death, you name it, it's out there and it gets us all. So yeah, it always will be a worry. And do you think that's been worse due to COVID? I'm sure it'll be. Yeah, he will. Do you you think COVID's made that worse? I feel it has been worse. Yes, I think um, to have been a newly qualified nurse during COVID must be one of the worst things ever. More so for people like in the job that Craig landed in, not yeah. knowing that's what he was going to land in, like a COVID ward. The death and devastation that's round about them really, really worries me. I feel that there's an awful lot more to come after this. The adrenaline's up and everybody's managing the job, but by goodness, there's going to be some downcome. I feel that the outfall of post-traumatic stress, people leaving, numbers of nursing falling, I think that's all ahead of us. So this is only the beginning of the chapter, really. And I do worry that Craig's been very much involved in that and hope it doesn't put him off the job and he he can get over this and, and do what he wants to do in life. Yeah, I think it's been, I mean, I'm a mental health nurse, so I share your concerns that I think we've got a whole other ill health pandemic coming around people's mental health following COVID, whether you say it's like the nurses who suffer PTSD or children who don't really know how to interact in society or all those kind of things that we're going to really struggle with. But I know Craig finds great comfort talking to you when he has difficult shifts and he really speaks to you and that really helps him. So I'm sure Craig will be great because he's got you to talk to. Do you think... So obviously I'm a mum of four and you're a mum and you were a nurse the whole time your children were little, weren't you? What do you think is the easiest and hardest thing about being a mum and being a nurse? Do you think they're roles that combine easily or do you think there's a challenge? I think there is quite a challenge. I think one of the hardest things, as you probably know yourself, is the shift pattern. We lived in Glasgow. Our family were all far away in Ayrshire, so we didn't have any backup. I know lots of people are lucky in that they have grannies and grandpas and aunties and uncles around. We had no one. And Adam also worked, his dad also worked away from home a lot. Mm-hmm. So with the shift pattern, I did find that very hard. Many a night's sleep was lost to then have to go to work with children being ill. And then many a day's sleep was lost because you had a family of three children running about baking cakes and goodness knows getting up to vote mischief while you were trying to sleep. Yeah. Um, so that work-life balance was it's very hard. I think that's why I then moved on to night shift because it does tend to be a bit easier with kids. I also managed to reduce hours during the period when they were a bit younger, but I have always worked. I have had no gaps or anything during the time. So it is very hard, that life-work balance. You feel, what are your children missing out on and things? I mean, every working mother has that. Yeah, definitely. But it's that give and take, it's, isn't it's it? It's not an easy one. I work Monday to Friday now in the community, so I, I did shifts as a student. I don't do shifts in my job now but you're still bringing your work home with you I carry my own caseload for that responsibility and it is that give and take but it's also about I think showing a good role model and we've got International Women's Day coming up this week and I think predominantly nurses are women we know that we know that you know Craig's a really good example of men coming into the industry but we have to make sure that women are treated fairly and equally and given the same opportunities and I'm really keen that mothers aren't discriminated against because stuff's hard and, and you're right it is give and take sleeping with one eye open becomes a specialty doesn't it whilst watching them do whatever they're doing well, building it. lego <laughs> in my case sleeping becomes <laughs> a legacy just trying to get some yeah I know I know it's so hard 
What do you think the best and worst things are about having a child who's a nurse? The worst thing was when Craig started out in this journey and actually I lived with Craig during that time and was the continual questions about <laughs> adult nursing especially, which I did in the 1970s. <laughs> now, my brain was was tired, but it made me get into study mode again and it really made me reevaluate what I had forgotten and how I could help him. I mean, as I say, every day is a school day and you're always learning, but my learning was in a totally different field from the baby days to where he was an adult. So that was one of the worst. But on the other hand, that became one of the best because you're retired and you're not as on the ball as you were. It made me then get back into study mode and think, really, what have I forgotten? And I need to brush up and get the old brain working again. So that that was one of the worst things. One of the best things is now having a comrade that you can talk about nursing and try and put all the world to right through everything that you're seeing on the news and the other old thing about people. Well, I've got this spot and I've got this. It's someone now that you can also, all your friends and family that say, what do you think it is? Should I see a doctor? We've now got, we can, the two of us can chat out together. And that's, that's good. Having somebody to share in that. that. I love that. For years. I know you get the title nurse and all of a sudden you know everything about everybody's health, yeah. history, diagnosis, yeah. everything. Exactly. Even although it's been neonates that I have worked with over the last I'll tell you everything anyway. Years, uh, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to know all. <laughs> <laughs> and you must have been so proud, like Craig has just taken his nursing journey kind of really, you know, he's he's taken every opportunity, hasn't he, from chair of the students committee to his travel to America oh, and then winning like winning yeah. the, the nursing time student nurse of the year and even now he's doing loads more. It must make you really proud to see him being not just choosing that same profession but taking it to the next level. Definitely. I'm just in awe of him. Um, and then actually thinking about questions and thinking about this we interview today, I thought, do you know what? I'm not too bad either. He's done all that. But I raised a family during it all and did three trainings during having a family. So I'm not too bad either. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a really, it's, and it's really important that we do that isn't it to reflect on ourselves as well as everybody else because it's really easy to say oh they're doing brilliantly and they're doing brilliantly but it's important that we acknowledge what we've done and I think that's going to be important for nurses yes. going forward so they don't leave they realize the impact so obviously you've got a wealth of experience as a mum and as a nurse in your career and what message do you have you've already given us some really good insight but what message do you have for Craig and for other sort of newly qualified nurses? My message was to them is nursing is a job for life and even if at the moment you're not in the right role you're not enjoying the job it's so diverse go up the ladder go sideways but move on get a job you enjoy there's one out there for you also look after your mental health and every day's a school day you'll never stop learning. Oh I love that thank you. Yes my message thank you thank you so much have you got anything else that I've missed that you wanted to say today I just hope that all the nurses out there get through this in one piece all the nurses and all the medical staff everyone yeah I think we all do we all do oh Claire it was so lovely hearing from all three of those oh no such important people to all of us they are and it was just yeah it's quite an emotional yeah, I found it very me. emotional to listen to as well. 
not just hearing Stuart and that was nice but hearing everybody because I don't think we very often sit down and have those sorts of conversations so it was really nice and I know Kate hasn't heard Ethan speak yet so that she will have just listened to it because I made her leave the room and she didn't want to put him off so he was so good to interview. Oh, he is the cutest little button. When I listened back to that interview, I just wanted to give him the biggest squidge. Yeah. He, yeah. And the things he said about his mum and about nurses and nursing, it was just I know. so cute and so inspirational and so articulate for such a young man. Like I know, he really was. I think what's really nice for me, so obviously I've known Kate a really long time and I speak to her quite regularly and she works in an ICU ward, so COVID's been tough for her. Yeah. And anybody that follows Kate on Twitter will have seen her hands. So yeah. she ended up having a really bad allergic reaction to the soap and it was really bad, but she didn't stop going in. And anyway, that was all sorted. So I think Ethan refers to her hands, doesn't he? Yeah. And But what I thought was amazing, and this is my message to Kate as my friend because we don't very often stop and say these things is he's so balanced and so calm and so not afraid of what she's doing and she has been I know she has been so she hasn't passed that on to him and he's uh, it's amazing I completely agree because I think Kate has managed to protect Ethan from the impact Covid's had on her because we Kate's one of the RCN NQN curators with us so we know how difficult Covid's been for her and how stressful she's found it like all of us but she's totally protected Ethan from that like when he was talking about Covid in the interview it never came across at all that he's seen just his life isn't it it's just normal to him and when I asked him what was difficult it was like oh well when I'm when she's done nights I just go and stay at nanny's or you know it wasn't anything that I kind of was worried he might say, well, actually, I'm really scared she's going to get COVID and die, which but she's managed to protect him from that. And as a single parent who works a shift and I know she's called in at the last minute to help out with overtime and she's phoned me from the car after a shift and cried because it's been too hard. She's kept him sheltered from that. She's kept him away from it. And he is a remarkable young man. And on International Women's Day on Monday, Kate is one of the people that I will think of as an inspiration. Oh, absolutely. And it was like listening to a young me. Like I could really, really relate with him being the son of a nurse that he missed his mum when she was at work and working yeah. shifts and and the impact that, that that can have on children. But what just resonated so much from him was the pride that he has in her and knowing that she's saving lives and making a difference because that's just what I used to think about my mum and oh he yeah was, he was just such a perceptive young man like when he was saying that he feels happy because he knows that she's making a difference and that makes I know. her happy and that was just so I know lovely. when I asked it was really because you, you guys can't see his face and you you haven't seen seen the interview you just hear it don't you Craig and when I asked him about the fact that she'd been runner-up in student nurse for the year in Wales his face was so cute because part of it was why are you asking me this she's amazing and the other part was then oh actually I'm really proud of her and he's just yeah really expressive and he was a joy to 
interview and chat to he went back to play minecraft after he'd spoken to me because that's you know, well priority more important yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no it was lovely interviewing ethan and i think to all the women out there who are juggling careers whatever that career is and childcare, and the men who do it too hats off to all yeah. of us we're all and i hope to our listeners that listen who have children that hearing ethan reflect on his experience of having a parent that's a nurse will will help them see it did for me do you know and I thought "Mm, I wonder what my children would say because we focus on the negative things don't we like I've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast I've had to work and my children have homeschooled and sometimes I've been on the phone and they've had a question and I've had to shut the door on them essentially and actually it made me think but I'm quite a good role model to them and they, they've seen this and maybe it's not all bad. And I've, yes. I've been able to reflect on maybe they wouldn't say, oh, it's awful that my mum's <laughs> never here. Or maybe they'd be like, yay, she's never here. I very much doubt that. <laughs> so how did you feel listening to Stuart's interview? Oh, it was so strange. I mean, what I would say about my husband is that he was very himself on that interview because I have to tell everybody that he's got a very Mancunian sense of humour. <laughs> those things, you know, I was like, when I listened to it back, I was like, you, you've you said that I'm stealing masks. I don't bring any masks <laughs> home and that I'm threatening to murder you. So he's like, they are jokes. No, I was like, we do have that kind of sense of humor. No, I was. I I probably have said. I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no. But I loved hearing just the pride and the admiration he had for you, Claire. You know, this is a bit of a loving, but you know how I feel about you, and just the pride he has that you've followed your dream becoming a nurse after all this time, and even though it had implications for your family, but just how well you're doing and and what an inspiration you are to him. I know, and he's never said that to me before and probably will never say it again because he's he's not a, I'm the oversharer, you know, I talk about how I feel all the time and he, he's not like that. Stuart's very quiet compared to me, very quiet. He's a graphic designer and he, he gets kind of enveloped in this world of design and he's really talented. I'm the one that talks about how I feel and we have that kind of you're a mental health nurse of course you do yeah 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 exactly (laughs) um my children say that to me stop stop mental health nursing me and so it was really interesting to hear him say that he'd sat down and reflected on things because that's not natural Stuart the way he goes about life life he everyone describes him as very laid back and chilled and stuff just happens around him and he's he is very like that and he so that was really interesting that to hear him say that and it was really not like I know that stuff I guess I just have never heard him say it Um, and you've got recorded evidence I know I know as your podcast husband it was very lovely to meet your real husband oh it, I said to him, I'm going to keep it. And when you'll be, when, when we're having an argument about something like the washing up, I'm just going to have back. these little phrases <laughs> that I play back. Um, what so, I, yeah, no, it was nice. What I thought was really interesting was hearing the impact he felt it might have on you personally when patients or service users and their families can potentially lash out and how he worries that that might affect your mental health. Yeah. I think he was really accurate in the way that he discussed that 
people are more frustrated at systems and I know that's something that you tweet about a lot and discuss a lot and I think that spills out into the potentially aggressive behavior that we see as nurses from people but it was interesting as your husband that he worries about that. I think so and I think he was brought up in Manchester in Withenshaw and he's seen the effect that deprivation has on people or poor access to services and so he's seen and lived that really so that some of that will be from his personal experience and we always want to protect those we love don't we but I I do feel that some of that is made worse by Covid because I'm at home working a lot of the time you know I go out to see patients but my base currently is at home and that's my duty and so I finish work and then I'm straight into cooking tea or there's no commute I step out of one room and into the other and so that feeling of where I've been challenged or had patients on who are so unwell that they're very frustrated and they're shouting and they're swearing is very present in our house and I think that's been difficult and that's been difficult and I haven't got that colleague to de-stress to and so Stuart is the person who I would speak to obviously I don't break confidentiality and he doesn't know anything about my patients but you do still need to kind of yeah you need to you know debrief yeah and maybe it isn't even debrief just kind of and there have been times that I've taken out my frustration on my family I don't feel happy you know I'm not happy about saying that I do I think this is a, another topic that I would like to talk about on a podcast but I'm also I've also just started on HRT yeah. so before Christmas I found I had these rages that came from nowhere and that's been really hard and HRT has made a massive difference for me um, at keeping my emotions level and yeah I'd like to talk about menopause more we don't talk about it enough again International Women's Day we don't talk about it enough because it's a women's issue and it something we don't talk about and something we should be ashamed of and we absolutely shouldn't I know Uh, same as uh, menstruation and periods and tampons and you know all those kind of things and the um, fact tampons are taxed as a luxury item is just insane yeah yeah so uh, my family you know I do feel like I've put my family through the ringer a bit with work and stuff but it was really lovely to hear Stuart's pride it was it was really nice and I knew he's right about that the award because he was really excited when I got it and I was like oh that can go in the cupboard he was like no it absolutely deserves to be on the mantelpiece it's just something else to clean <laughs> it looks so nice there and it's it is, so it well is deserved. Nice. and then I spoke to your mum and oh, oh my bless favorite her person she was in the world so nervous she was I so know. nervous um, she'd not slept and we had a few technical <laughs> issues leading up to it which I was really conscious that she was going to be getting more and more anxious and it was really interesting because I could have spoken to your mum just about your, your mum not about you yeah um, because her career is like she's got three registrations yep my adult midwife and children is amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah she is she's she is, she is my inspiration and I've been very open on the podcast before about my mental health struggles that I had in 2015 and my mum not only literally gave birth to me 35 years ago but she saved my life I would not be here today without that woman and what I loved most about your interview with her was hearing her reflect on because I know you were talking about things that I've achieved and yes they're nice but what I loved hearing was her talking about her amazing achievements because 
she's great and she did all this extra training all these extra registrations while she was raising us because she like you met her and spoke to her and knew how nervous she was she's so self-deprecating she's so selfless and humble and I know she's amazing like she's my mum and I know she's amazing but for her to acknowledge that like that made me really emotional to hear because Mm -hmm. I've never heard her talk about herself that way and she is incredible and we're talking about empowering women and she is the reason I would consider myself to be a feminist or a feminist ally because I've had an amazing woman who shaped me. She is incredible but I think as well what's really nice and you should take this away is that I don't think she'd have recognised that in herself had you not gone into nursing because I think she's seen what you've done and reflected on it and it was really interesting because both Stuart and your mum used the word reflection when they talked to us and we didn't ask them to do that we gave them some very simple questions that we were going to ask but they both said they'd spent some time and it helped them formulate their ideas but I think with your mum reflecting on your achievements made her think about herself and I I don't I think it's brilliant that you know she realizes yeah three registrations three qualifications it's incredible and she's still retired and she's still gone back she said to me at the end of the interview there's a bit that's not recorded where she says I said oh you know it's really lovely to speak to you and to meet you and we were talking about meeting at your wedding in real life and everything and she said I'm away now to go and do some crocheting and then I'll, I'll get two hours sleep and then I'm off to do another night shift I'm like, I hate nights. They destroy me. She's there looking after teeny tiny babies. I know. Higher childhood. And it's interesting because we're talking about women empowerment and we're talking about International Women's Day. And my mum loved her midwifery training and she really, really wanted to be a practicing midwife. But the system just didn't allow her to. She trained when my just after my little brother was born. So this was in 1988. So at that time, the systems just didn't allow her to be part time or allow for flexible working. So she did and this I... extra qualification and then she couldn't do anything with it. But I still think we very much still have that systematic problem within the healthcare system. Yeah. There isn't flexible working, there isn't part time, and that is disadvantageous to women. So that yeah. is something we need to systematically address. And well, and the other thing, the other thing you find, and it would have been, um, you know, interesting to talk to your mum about this if we'd been talking about her career, I suppose, more is that, and and I've seen this is what your mum did then is work predominantly nights. So she explains that that she worked nights so that because she, she found it better for childcare, and I think we have to acknowledge that better is still not good. Yeah. But what I've seen when I've done, I, I do some bank shifts on some wards where they still have night staff and day staff. Mm-hmm. And the night staff, almost all of them do it because of caring responsibilities. Not always children. Sometimes it's other people in their lives, but they almost all choose to work nights because of caring responsibilities. But they miss out on so much. So they're missing out on personal development. There's no training courses at night. They don't yeah. get the same access to managers or staff members that are in in on the days to see they they don't haven't got good chance to have conversations with like the physios or the OTs who work during the day and so they miss out on 
fundamental development for themselves or or simple information they don't they don't get invited to things because they're not around the person that's organizing it and we are a 24/7 365 day a year profession although we don't you know I work Monday to Friday 9 to 5 but a lot of my contemporaries work shifts and we need to be better at making that equal if you're choosing to work nights hats off to you because I really struggle with them but you're the same yeah, profession absolutely. and you should be given the same opportunities um, and, and that made me sad about your mum that she'd and she she's not sad about it no she's like I did it I did it for my family it was the right thing to do and she's done really well and she's working in a job she loves but it makes me sad that she did that qualification loved it and then yeah the, because the of child care couldn't yeah, yeah yeah and what I thought and it relates back to Ethan talking obviously about his mum being a nurse it was interesting hearing my mum talk about the impact she felt that it had on us as children because the loss of sleep is now something I really empathise with. I mean, we were terrible. Yeah. When she talks about all the noise we used to make, we weren't rich at all. We grew up in a two-bedroom flat in Glasgow until I was 15. So she had three children causing chaos in the story she talks about baking the cake goodness then the amount of noise we used to cause how that woman slept for the best part of 20 years I have no idea but well it's funny because I'll I, when I was doing nights as a student my, I'd say to my kids I'm sleeping don't wake me up I'm gonna have a few hours and my kids are teenagers so old enough but there's the don't wake me up adult version and then there's the I just wanted to know can I you know and the two seconds that they wake you up for is just two seconds but yeah so the sleep with one eye open is definitely a a real thing yeah but it made me sad also because when she was talking about one of the worst things about being a mum as a nurse is she felt like we missed out on things I don't want her to think that at all and if if she listens back to this episode my message to her is we didn't miss out on anything because in fact she was an inspiration to all of us and and I quite literally owe that woman everything. But we always look at that, don't we? We always look at what we haven't got rather than what we have got for ourselves and for other people. And parents always feel guilty about choices they make for their children. And actually what she's had a chance to look at is, yeah, maybe you did miss out on the odd thing, but that means you got something else in return and we can't all have everything. So you can't be in two places at the same time doing the same thing and your life was enriched by having her being a role model so it was a really it was really interesting to hear kind of all the interviews and and like you said at the beginning of the podcast we talked about our people and their people that we live with or you know Kate lives with and that we share our lives with but we we also have our extended nursing family, yeah. um, which is really nice to to rely on. And I think that ties everything in for me, our people, you know, our families and how important that is now at COVID, during COVID to yeah. find those people that you can. Absolutely. And I think they all highlighted with. and what I think my mum addressed particularly is that we're all running on adrenaline at the moment. Mm. But what's going to happen next because there is that post-traumatic stress that we're going to have, the emotional burnout. 
I worry about the retention of nurses. We already know that junior nurses within their first two years, there's a wealth of statistics that people drop out. That's what our primary focus needs to be on. How do we deal with that fallout? And I hope as this series progresses, series two, these are some of the topics that we look at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just the one thing that she said, and I was like, my goodness, mum, you're incredibly insightful. And that is something that I'm going to take forward is the thing where she said, if you're not in the right role or enjoying your job, nursing is so diverse. So you can go up the ladder or move across, but find the role that's right for you and makes you happy. And I was like, oh my God, mum, you're like a prophet. Because I just, I thought that was very insightful. It was, it was, it was really it was really good to hear from her. And I think you've mentioned what we want from series two. The thing we haven't said is we didn't at the beginning, those people that missed us, we didn't do our our old first feature. Time, yeah, our old feature first time for everything. So we'd like another feature, but we'd like it to be different for series two. So if anybody's got any ideas of what we can talk about each week, let us know. Yay. Either on Twitter or Instagram or if you or go on our Facebook, website you can email us our website. address on our website so yeah we'd love a little feature just to open every episode so we'd look for a new one for series two also if anyone's got any ideas for episodes or yep. anyone that we should have on we really just want to hear from you and you our listeners are part of our nursing family you're our podcast family that's yep. what this whole episode's been about. And and thank you for being part of our family. Yep, thank you. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Thanks for listening. To make sure you stay up to date with our latest podcast, subscribe to Retain the Passion on your usual podcast provider. You can follow us on all the social media channels at podrtp on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash podrtp, or see our website www.podrtp.com for all our episodes. You can follow Craig at CraigDavidson85 on Twitter or me, Claire, at Manners of Marple. See you next time. All music from this podcast was courtesy of Kevin McLeod. <laughs> <laughs>